How do you balance productivity with personal and family life? It's a question we ask around our house a lot. And Bonnie just released a new book on productivity. So this episode, we're responding to a question on how to align as much as possible. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 453. Produced by Innovate Learning. Maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders are born, they're made. And this weekly show helps you discover leadership wisdom through insightful conversations. It's the first Monday of the month, and normally on the first Monday of the month, we have a question and answer show with... Bonnie, uh, you may recall me mentioning we were going to have Bonnie on the show last week at the closing, and I didn't say it was going to be a Q&A show. We're actually going to do something a little bit different this time because, Bonnie, you are now an author, right? It is true. It is true. Although I feel like this still is a Q&A episode. It's just devoted toward one person's interesting set of questions. Indeed it is. So let's set the stage here a bit. So most of you know that Bonnie is on the show here once a month, helping me respond to questions. And in addition to being a regular guest here on the show, she is a dean of teaching and learning at her institution of higher education and also has a podcast called Teaching in Higher Ed. And the Teaching in Higher Ed podcast has become quite a popular podcast in the faculty development higher education space. So for those of you who know folks who are teachers and work in colleges and universities, it's a wonderful resource for them. And over the last really couple of years, you've been working on this big project of uh, authoring a book and it's just come out. I'm so excited. Yeah, the book is called The Productive Online and Offline Professor. And with a little bit of background on that, it started out being a part of a series of books for people who teach online. But even the publishers, that's what they wanted originally. But then after they started reading the book, could we expand this to be all people who teach? And candidly, for anyone listening, it really is a book for anyone who wants to manage their time, manage all of the inputs that are coming at them, and some of the things we're going to talk about here. So the person who wrote in with questions listened to an episode that Dave and I did for my podcast talking about the book and said that they were very glad about us sharing a little bit about some of the personal things that we do that are outside of the professional capacity. And it made me chuckle because that's kind of what the book's like. The book talks about a family member issue that I had come along because we don't just live such compartmentalized lives. It really does look at that, you know, things are going to come up and, and that's some of what we're going to talk about today. So do you want to read the questions? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So Coleman wrote in from that episode and had a bunch of questions for us. And we thought it would be fun to see if we could tackle as many of these questions as we could, because he sent us a really nice note. He wrote in and said, I loved your recent episode with Dave on your upcoming book, and I'm excited for the book's release. One part of the conversation that particularly struck me was about attending kids' birthday parties, which we talked about <laughs> on a previous episode here too as well, Bonnie. It's a theme here. It is a theme. I love that you and Dave have figured out a system that works for you. It got me thinking that I would really love to see a productivity program or book particularly aimed at couples, families, and parents. The ones that I've read tend to either A, imply that productivity is something you mostly do at work that creates margin for less structured family time, or B, encourage the reader to apply the principles to home life, but don't provide the nuts and bolts practical advice on how to do so. For me, the reality is that applying productivity advice is relatively straightforward in the workplace, 
but more challenging when it comes to working together with my wife on our whole life stuff, which includes official work stuff, but also everything else. I'm curious about the practices you and Dave have to manage podcasting, teaching, administration, childcare, family vacations, etc. Do you have regularly scheduled meetings with each other? Do you work out shared quarterly goals as a family? Do you have shared calendars, shopping lists, family organization apps? And do you know of any productivity books or programs that have particular practical advice for families? If not, maybe you and Dave could write one. So let's see if we can tackle as many of these as we can, Bonnie. And we put our heads together. And I think we have five or six areas that came up in response to Coleman's question that we can dive in on. The first point is around margin. One of the things that really can cause us to break down is not leaving enough room for the unexpected. Dave and I just had this happen right now. We sat down to record this very episode and Dave had a new piece of equipment that had come into the mix and our sound levels weren't right. I think that got us delayed by approximately six minutes and 42 seconds. It could be off by... A minute or two, Dave? <laughs> Something like that. And we were just fortunate enough that the person who's bringing their son over to play with our son just happened to text Dave moments ago <laughs> to say that they're going to be late. Otherwise, we would have not given ourselves enough margin for this. So that's, I mean, Dave and I know that this is not one of those crucial moments in life. We would have been able to adjust our schedules later in the day, but we really do put a lot of buffer in around things like this. Everything from, to me, if I can drop the kids off at school 15 minutes early, that means I don't have to wait as long for all of the other parents that have decided to get there on time because on time is just so close to being late. It's not even funny. But any unexpected thing that happens, any rain that comes, there's part of the road that we drive on is sometimes gets flooded when it rains. I mean, you just never know what's going to happen. So I enjoy getting places early and leaving myself enough margin. I enjoy when we're having conversations not to pack agendas too heavy. And that comes to the agenda that Dave and I have. We tend to about once a week sit down and have the three F conversations. And Dave, this comes from a podcaster. I can't recall who it was, but it's variations of this float all over the place. I don't remember the reference either. It's family, food, and finances, I think are the three Fs that someone said on some show that we could have latched onto. And for us, a big part of the family one has to do with our calendar. So we'll sit down most weeks before the week starts and we'll look who's taking the kids, who's dropping them off. And you might think, well, isn't that the same every week? And actually, in our case, it is not. But the other thing is, I'm the one who usually puts in the kids calendar. It's actually, we use Apple products. We use an iPhone and and our Macs. And so we have it on the calendar there. You could do the same thing with Google Calendar. I'm the one who manages the kids calendar. So I invite Dave to the times when he is supposed to drop off or pick up the kids. And there have been one or two times over, what would you say, Dave, like a three to six month process. But Fortunately, we we do have the backup of looking over our calendars together. We have never left our children at school. <laughs> they they have never you know had to call us and say, um, "Hello, your children are still here. Where are you?" Yeah, it's somehow it's all worked out. And the larger point here that I was thinking about on margin, Bonnie, is that we I, like anyone else, we have those days where we're just back to back crazy schedules because of things that are either inside or outside of our control, depending on the situation. Generally, as a principle, though, we do look to find margin, and especially during family time. And what was making me think of this particularly, Bonnie, was I saw an article in The Guardian, which I'll see if I can link up in the show notes, 
about weekends and how, at least here in American culture, weekend time with families has shifted over the last, I don't know, however long, but the author was saying that, you know, it's hard, it was hard for our kids before they had made some changes to notice the difference between weekends and weekdays because their weekends as a family were so hyper-scheduled and making the point that that is a norm in a lot of our society right now, that every available moment has really been scheduled. And I read that article, and I do resonate a lot with these parenting articles, Bonnie, and you know, there are many habits that we fall into culturally that are very true of the people around us. But I would say on this one, we are pretty strong as far as departure on. We have a pretty clear delineation between our weekdays and weekends. And on weekends, I think it's the exception. I, I shouldn't say I think. I know it's the exception that we have things really, really scheduled out. And we do occasionally have busy weekends, but we really do try to find time where we've just got space and margin. And oftentimes we don't know what we're going to do on a Saturday afternoon for three or four hours. And sometimes we decide, sometimes the kids decide, sometimes we do nothing and just hang around the house. Sometimes we'll do something last minute, but it allows us the ability to be a little more creative and also a little more responsive to what also the kids want to do. Just as an example, our son this past weekend, he's really into rocks and geology right now because they've done a big unit on that at school. And he said, hey, dad, let's go around the neighborhood and just look for rocks. And so we did that for like two hours and just went around, grabbed a bag and grabbed a couple hammers and just went around the neighborhood and started looking for rocks. And that's the kind of thing that my sense is talking to other parents and families in our community and the folks we work with that that is not as typical these days where that space, that margin is a pretty regular part of weeks. And that is something I think we've done a better job on than than probably, um, you know, in, in most scenarios. A book that I read recently that reinforces this is called Range. And it is the counter argument to the... Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hour rule. And it, instead of saying we specialize in things, it says, hey, we would be better off if we explore a lot of different avenues. So we don't have either of our kids in any kinds of sports that would take multiple practices per week and then multiple games per week. A lot of parents that we know spend significant time on the weekends at those kinds of games. And we can only hope that when our kids get older, <laughs> that opportunity to dabble. So our son is dabbling right now in a baseball club that is held after school, but it is not as intensive as if you were on a team and having to do those multiple practices and games. And they do have aftercare at our kids' school. So that makes it nice too, that if we have times where we're not able to pick them up immediately after their activities or after school, then that means it's just a good system for us to have. And then since I work at a university, there's often times where I might meet someone who's majoring in education, not in the business program that I teach in. And so we have good access over the years to really people that really care about our kids and are excellent at caring for them too. Yeah. And systems is one of the other big things that we have spent a lot of time and attention doing. And you mentioned calendars earlier, Bonnie. We do have really good systems for having everyone's calendar linked together. We review that regularly. We've got good systems for childcare after school. And I know a lot of folks don't necessarily have access to that. And that's something that is a game changer for us. And then we also, we've mentioned on the show before, we use Acuity for our professional calendaring and schedules. And that allows us to define the times that folks can schedule into our system. So it's really accessible for people to get a hold of us and be able to schedule with each of us. And it also 
defines for us system-wise when people can't necessarily reach out to us and schedule with us, which is super helpful on just utilizing the system in order to create that margin. In terms of calendars, I pretty much maybe nine out of 10 of the people who have watched our kids over the many years, only one out of 10 of them has actually used their calendar on their phone before meeting us. (laughs) And I think 10 out of 10 of them walk away and say, this is really a good program to actually put commitments that I have in a calendar. But that's a nice thing too, where we're able to sort of confirm that that's the time that we have, that's the location that we have. A lot of miscommunication gets fixed before it even has to happen because of that. And then the other system that comes up a lot in the book and also comes up in our lives a lot has to do with what David Allen in his book, Getting Things Done, calls the practice of capture. We have daily emails coming from the kids at school. We have today I mentioned a friend of our son's. Dave's arranged for him to come over and play with our son. And so that took, you know, some coordination, some texts back and forth. There's lots of inputs that are coming into our lives and we have a way of capturing them and then determine what do we do with this? Is this something that needs to go into our calendar? Is this something that needs to go into our task management system? Is it something that really should be deferred that I shouldn't worry about it for a couple months, but I need to have it come ping me again after the couple months has gone by? So having that trusted system that we can capture things. Even when the kids were really young, they would write on a whiteboard what they were doing each day. And Dave would regularly take a picture of that. So I'd have a sense of what book was read and what kind of snack they had and any kind of themes. It makes it easier to talk to your kids about what they're experiencing in their lives. If you have some kind of a prompt, generally speaking, how was your school day today? (laughs) Doesn't prompt as much as, Ooh, I saw you were experimenting with the butterfly garden. Did you get to go visit it? And how many butterflies did you see? And what colors were they? And all that kind of thing. I will admit to not always being as great at capturing that whiteboard, which is why I did not include my myself in that story. I think I might have had maybe one out of 10 times you got to see what was on that whiteboard, Dave. (laughs) Well, you know, the principle is what's important here, right? And I think this brings up a a broader point for both of us too, is none of these things we're talking about do we execute with perfection-wise, of course. What they generally do, though, is help us to be a little bit more present, a little bit more joyful, have a little bit more margin. And when I think about capturing I think about this on a broader concept too, because the the kinds of people who listen to both of our shows and who we tend to work with and in our professional lives are are people who care a lot about getting things done. They're smart, efficient, hardworking people that are moving things forward. And the thing that I hear a lot that people struggle with, in fact, we had this conversation in one of our academy groups the other day, is how do I keep from moving on everything? Because we have so many smart people that we get to be around. And there's the tendency to have all these things on our plate, you know, 40 things that we're interested in doing and that professionally we're working on and wanting to be good parents and wanting to be good spouses and partners. And there's no practical way to do all of those things well at any given time. And one of the conversations we had around capture recently, Bonnie, is the importance of being able to capture something, but also to be able to capture it so it gets out of our brain and we can incubate it on a while. Because I think the challenge I have, and I think for a lot of folks, is that we think about something and we're like, oh, I want to do a better job uh, being present with my kids this week. And that's in our mind. 
And there's seven other things that are already urgent and important on the list this week. And our intention is really good, but we don't actually execute on it. And then we feel like we need to keep thinking about it and we feel guilty about it and we don't move on it. And one of the practices that I've really developed over the last couple of years is I have a list called incubation on all my devices that syncs across. And when I think of something that I can't move on in the moment or this week or this month, which is most things, (laughs) so I'll open up that list and I'll put it on the list. And then when I get to the points where I am able to make some decisions about what do I want to do this week, this month, whatever the time frame is, then I pull out that list. And at that point, I make some decisions about which of those things that I thought about that was really important to me and I was panicking about at 5.30 in the evening on a Tuesday night, that's really actually important with some reflection of the 40 or 50 things that show up on that list. And for me, at least, being able to have an idea, get it out of my head, put it somewhere where I know I'm not going to forget it, I am going to come back to it, has helped me to stay focused on the things that I've already committed to in that day, that week, and that month, and be able to know that I'll do something with it later and it's not lost. And if it's important to me, I'll come back to it. I have a similar practice that I use, but I do two different types of incubations. One is, it's just an idea. Wouldn't it be great to take the kids apple picking at this place that I've heard of? That apple picking, by the way, has been on this list for years now and I still haven't, (laughs) but I don't have to stress out about it because it's a separate list from the things that I've actually committed to and that I've decided are important to me. And the list that I keep is also recommended in David Allen's book, Getting Things Done, and it is a someday maybe list. I have a someday maybe list that I use for activities with the kids. I use for places we might visit, things we might do. But I also use that for technology. I really enjoy reading a lot of blogs about technology and automation. And I enjoy reading about productivity. I cannot follow through on all of the ideas that come up about technology I might use in my teaching. So I've got a someday maybe list that right then when I have that idea, that's the time to put it down or when I'm coming across it. But I don't want, if I did that for all of it, it would clutter up my main task manager that really is more geared toward the things that are crucial. The other thing I took from a physician who also writes about productivity called Karush Dini, and he even advises us to think about the verbs that we use. Is it finish the draft? Is it call so-and-so, email so-and-so, to really get precise about what does done look like, even as we name the task. And when it comes to some of the other things that I decide are important enough to be on my task manager, to be in that list of projects and tasks to move me forward, what I might really be telling myself is to consider doing something. And he really advises us to become people of integrity, not just with other people, but with ourselves. And if really what we intend on doing is considering taking the next module in some professional development course or something like that, that's the verb to use. And then you have a system that you know you've told yourself the truth about what's most important and then about what done looks like. And done very well could be consider doing this. I really like that. I really like that a lot. And I mentioned enjoying reading about productivity quite a bit. One thing, Dave, that has come up a lot for me was instead of focusing on lots of resolutions and goals, focusing instead on habits. 
And we try to do that with our kids too. Although for us, we call them family responsibilities. Most people used to call these chores. But to me, as I'm thinking about it, Dave, those are really habits that we're trying to instill with our kids. And I just, as of today, got done coming up with their list of responsibilities and they can check them off and see how they're doing. And Dave, I just recently got this app called Streaks that I'm enjoying because I'm trying to track how often that I go. I do most of my reading in bed. When I read my iPad, I read a lot of RSS feeds. Those are, it's like a customized newspaper that comes into my device. And I love doing that, but I'm missing out or I had been missing out on the opportunity to do more long form reading. So I have set a habit related goal of bringing only my Kindle to bed four times a week. I'm telling you, Dave, this has been hard at first. And then now I've gotten to the rewarding part where I've been reading, no joke, Dave, 10 times more than I was reading previously. And I know I've, I've seen researchers that talk about that our brain really does get messed up when we're doing a lot of internet reading because we do a lot more sort of skimming and our eyes dancing around the page. But those same researchers talk about how fast you can retrain your brain to do the longer form reading. And now I'm just having so much fun reading so many more books and really getting a lot out of that deeper and longer form reading. Speaking of retraining brains, you are really naturally much more collaborative than I am, um, and particularly with the kids of getting them involved on things. And that's something that I think that I suspect a lot more people are in my camp on that, not in a good way, but in like (laughs) (laughs) struggle with that. Mm -hmm. You know, and and especially to the thing earlier of like a lot of us being smart, efficient, wanting to get things done, we tend to jump in and do stuff and we forget to delegate as leaders, we forget to delegate as parents. And it's really remarkable to me the capacity that, I mean, it shouldn't be, but it's remarkable to me the capacity that our children have when they are taught how to do something, set an expectation, we've got a framework for it, we get a part of our system. You've done a masterful job of like, they put away their own laundry in our house and they're five and seven years old and they water the plants. They put together snacks in the morning, at least part of the snacks. They have responsibilities for keeping the house clean and they don't really whine about it that much. I mean, every child whines sometimes, but it's a pretty good system we've got going in our house. And part of that is just, you know, taking the time to do it. But part of it is also just having the expectation of like, you know, within age appropriate ways, of course, of saying, yeah, you know, it's not only good for them, but it's also really helpful to us in a lot of ways to have shared responsibilities and to collaborate and the invitation I'd make is that for those of you who are parents and and who are living in households with lots of people, the spending some time thinking through those responsibilities and who can do what and who's talented in what areas and setting some expectations really goes a long way. Part of it comes out of my weakness of not being very good at being present. So one of the things you're great at, Dave, is being fully present in the moment for people. And that includes our kids. And to me, that's just not as joyous of an experience. So I like us to be moving towards some kind of a goal. That's why I'd be a lot more, if, I, if we're going out somewhere, you know, just sitting around when, when our daughter may say, will you play with me? You're a lot more likely to say yes than I. In fact, she doesn't really even ask me that often because I think <laughs> She's she learned. already knows. She's learned. <laughs> but And yes, it does absolutely take longer. And yes, by the way, I'm chuckling because Dave was not around this morning to hear the wines that were coming over the, put the laundry away. But to me, that's a more 
enjoyable thing to do that kind of collaboration, even though it absolutely takes longer. But boy, I'll tell you, our older child, our son, who's seven, almost about to be eight, you know, he he does a lot of this stuff without me even ever asking. And I think there's hope for even a lot more of that happening in the future, too. But one of the things I was going to mention is that I have had to learn and relearn and relearn one of the best productivity things that might not seem like it is to remember that Dave and I are on the same team and also, you know, that the kids are on the same team. You can really set up a lot of really hard baggage around emotions if you decide that you and your partner are not on the same page, not on the same team. And so recognizing that you will have natural strengths, your default settings, my default setting is stronger in the area of collaboration. Dave's default setting is stronger in the being fully present as opposed to being, you know, out into the future like I tend to be doing more of. But both of us know that we're on the same team. And by the way, just I don't get to use that as an excuse of like, well, I just can't be present. So you're going to need to play with the kids because that's the age that they're on. We don't we don't just because we may not naturally have that as our default setting doesn't mean we shouldn't try to incorporate that into our parenting because collaboration is important because being fully present and having that margin is important but also just remembering we're on the same team here and having those kinds of conversations about what is this team about? What's our mission? What's, what are our goals? And we spent a long time coming up with our family vision statement. And it's something that has really been a driver for us when we go back and revisit it to thinking about what's this team about? What are we aiming for? And helping our kids to talk about that too. And a lot of it is around joy. A lot of it's around learning and a lot of it's around bringing more love into the world. And we talk to our kids about that kind of stuff, literally on a daily basis. It's, it's great. So this has been fun to reflect a little bit on some of the practices that we use. And, and I'd encourage people to follow up in the show notes for the other resources that are mentioned. And if you're interested in the topic of the book, I'd love for you to check out the book, The Productive Online and Offline Professor. And yes, it is geared around someone who teaches in a higher education context. But as I mentioned, there's a lot of examples just of life in general in there. Yeah, indeed. And speaking of life, one of the things that Coleman asked about that I don't think we've entirely explored yet is the balance between professional and personal. And we've been talking a bit about personal and how we do that. And that's a place for me that being conscious of what hat I'm wearing on any given day or hour is helpful. And you've all heard on this show before the distinction between leadership and management. And there are all kinds of opinions on this. The way I tend to see it is I'm a fan of the way John Cotter tends to break this down of leadership is about how do you answer the question of change? And management is how do you answer the question of complexity? And every organization that is successful in any way needs to do both of those, whether that organization is a household, a family, a small business, a large institution. And what changes is the kinds of roles and how much of those things people do uh, who are in positions of influence. And so in our household, we both of us need to lead and also manage on a daily basis. And there's probably more management to be done on any given day than there is leadership, as is true in a lot of organizations too. And I think what we are both good at doing is knowing that we need to put on those hats and knowing when we're putting on those hats. And I think the mistake probably that I see in the work I've done with folks and talking about you know, when family things come up and personal things come up with our clients 
is that there is not a, as much leadership that tends to happen in our home lives of really stepping back and consciously deciding what's important. It's very easy to fall in the trap of just managing the day-to-day stuff and getting people to school and figuring out what meals need to be cooked and what is you know, two o'clock on Saturday afternoon look like and who's watching kids there and, and carpools and all those things that go along with busy lives personally. And it's hard in the context of that to step back and to think, what is important for us as a family over the next 90 days or over this year? And one practice that Bonnie and I both do is we do very consciously put on the leadership hat once in a while. Sometimes we do it together. Oftentimes we do it apart and we kind of come back and we talk with each other about what we've done is I know I take half a day every two to three months to sit back and to go through that incubation list and make some decisions about what's important over the next two to three months. And I often share that with Bonnie and then we kind of go back and forth and she does the same thing. And that for me at least gets me in a place of thinking about how do I put on that leadership hat and decide for myself and for us as a family, and what do I want to be doing for Bonnie? What do I want to be doing for the kids? And being really intentional about that. So then the rest of that 90-day period, when I'm mostly wearing the management hat, I can execute on the things that are really important. And Bonnie, you do something very similar to that. Not exactly the same, but similar, right? Yes, I do have a goal setting. I do typically a half of a day, about once a month that I set aside and take that time to go through my goals and think about the next I was doing trimesters, but actually the planner that I bought is now a quarterly planner. So I'm probably going to shift back to thinking in terms of quarters, just like businesses do, but not (laughs) academic institutions. But I started using Michael Hyatt's full focus planner and absolutely love that thing. But one of the practices he recommends are every day, every week, every month, what are the three big wins for that time period. And that's really helped me stay focused and put on that leadership hat and think about the really big things. But yeah, I think that you probably more than I do, Dave, will spend that time thinking specifically around the kids in terms of your leadership hat. I think that it would be hard for us to both, yes, let's sit down once a month together, the two of us. I think sometimes, sometimes I think we hit it at different times and in different ways and that we do check back in, but we tend to check back in more holistically thinking about, our work lives, we talk a lot about our work lives with each other. And then our podcasting lives cross over quite a bit. So there's that part of it. And then there's the family part to it. It all just kind of blends together. So much of what you've done over the years and what I've done and a lot of people have done is moving all of their task management into digital systems and services. I've made that move. I'm still there almost 100% on everything digitally. One clear shift I've noticed in the people I work with, and you and I have both seen this, is a lot of people, not everyone, but a lot of people starting to rethink that a bit and still doing a lot of the digital things, but also pulling back from some of the digital planning and going back to analog, at least for some planning and some task management. And that's actually one, and full disclosure, by the way, we've affiliated with my client's full focus planner. And one of the reasons we did that wasn't because of me so much, but because of Bonnie, because you've been using it so well and it's worked so well for you. And I've heard from so many folks in our community that have really gotten value out of it. So this is a long lead into the question, which is, how do you see this distinction between digital and analog? And what are some things maybe you've thought through? And I'm wondering you know, what others may consider if they're trying to think about what's the right system for them. 
Most of my life is in the digital because there's so many parts and pieces and things that my brain would not do well and and anyone's brain would not do well. David Allen has a very famous quote that says, our minds are for having ideas, not holding them. And I really have lived that out in terms of if it's a commitment that I've made for even every podcast episode has about 20 steps that need to happen on my end of things. I don't mean Dave's podcast, I mean teaching in higher ed. And it would be really impractical for me to think I'm going to track all that in my head and know did it happen by the day that this episode is supposed to air. So I really rely on technology for having due dates that are actual due dates when something's really due as opposed to it's important. I should get to this as soon as possible where I use a flag for that. And then I also use defer quite a bit. I can in my task manager defer things out. So I'm just being presented with the most important things that are either date specific or priority specific. And then I've really enjoyed the planner because it helps me step outside that so I can look at what's going on this week. But okay, for today, then what are the three big wins? And I laugh because I would not have anticipated this would be that important, Dave. But the planner, you open it and it stays open. Sounds like something really basic, but yeah. like most planners as in don't. it doesn't like flip back Correct. as soon as you let go of it. Uh. Now, there is a whole system that when you first get it, you kind of, he has a whole video that he shows you and how to open it up and sort of crease the pages so that you can get the most out of that feature. But I mean, oh, it's that's awesome. So funny. I never would have even thought to even ask for that in a planner. It's got a couple different little silk bookmarks too that I can the ones that are ribbons, you know, that come out of the planner that I can put in different spots in the planner. But I just like that getting out of the digital because then I'm not behind a screen the entire day, especially when I'm on campus. I am in relationship, I'm in interaction, and I find it I can be coming across as a lot more present if I'm not trying to type something into a digital device. And then I can just at the end of the day, I can go and capture anything that needs to go back into that digital system and, you know, you can capture things so easily today, even just with the, a scanner app on your phone to be able to put it back. I will say I'm a little bit behind on that, but the other nice part is it has an index. So if it turned out that you wanted to get something from your analog note taking, you could always do that fairly easy. Find it from the index that's in the back. So, yeah, I'm I'm mostly digital. I do find some people who like having a look at the whole entire year, too, as another and you're hanging up somewhere to, to see some of the big things, like if they travel a lot or they're more of a seasonal type of person that can be helpful too. But I have not done that myself. Thank you, Bonnie, for this. And I'm so proud of you for all the work you've done on this and helping people and in creating the book. So the book is The Productive Online and Offline Professor, A Practical Guide. If you know someone who's in higher education and would benefit from this, or if you just like another perspective on how to be productive, so many tools and resources in the book. And a personal favor, if you do decide to purchase the book, or if you know someone who decides to purchase the book, uh, take a moment and leave a rating or review on Amazon for Bonnie. I know that she'd really appreciate that. And thank you so much, Bonnie, for sharing your wisdom with us. Thanks to Coleman for the great questions to you had us talking, not just on today's episode, but well beyond that. It was great to hear from you.
Thank you so much, Bonnie. For those of you who do decide to jump in on Bonnie's book and are in higher education, we'd love to hear what has been useful to you from the book. Please reach out to us. In addition, we've captured so many of the links and resources we talked about in today's episode that will be in this week's weekly leadership guide. In addition, there's several related episodes to today's conversation if this was useful to you. One of the episodes I'd recommend is episode 184, Getting Things Done with David Allen. Getting Things Done has been the system that Bonnie and I have both used as the foundation for so much of our work over the last 10 to 15 years. David Allen is the author of the book by the same name and joined me on episode 184 to talk about the core tenets behind getting things done and responded to questions from our listening audience. It's a great starting point if you're looking for a system that you can build your productivity principles on, not only professionally, but also personally. Again, that's episode 184. I'd also invite you to consider episode 376, How to Become the Person You Want to Be with James Clear. On that episode, James and I talked about his best-selling book, Atomic Habits, and the transition that a lot of folks are starting to make from not just setting goals anymore, but really beginning to think about taking on a new identity around our habits. And James's work really does that beautifully and has a really nice philosophy and also a structure for how to create habits that will really invite you to change your behavior in ways that align with the identity you want to take on. Episode 376 is where to go for that. And then finally, I'd also recommend episode 417, Finding Joy Through Intentional Choices. That one was also with Bonnie. And in that conversation, we talked about all the things we don't do. (laughs) That's right. Not what we do, but what we don't do, not only professionally, but also a bit as a family. And uh, we were really surprised pleasantly of how many people reached out to us after that episode aired on how useful that conversation was and uh, giving a bit of permission for saying no to more in life, which probably is something we all need to do a better job as. I know uh, that we're still searching for ways to do a better job of being intentional on the things we say no about so that we're able to dive in with even more quality of time and attention to the things we say yes about. Again, that's episode 417. All of those past episodes you can track down on the coachingforleaders.com website. And one of the places you'll find on the website, if you have your free membership set up, is our episode library. There's an entire category of episodes around productivity, an entire category around work-life balance. There's even a category around parenting. So if you are looking for more resources on those in addition to today's related episodes, that's a great place to begin. You can set up your free membership just by going over to coachingforleaders.com and establishing it there. Once you do, it's going to give you access to the entire episode library that we've aired since 2011, searchable by topic. In addition, the weekly leadership guide, plus there's several free audio courses that are there. One of them is how to create your personal vision. We talked a bit about our family vision, and it's a wonderful starting point for you if you're creating a professional vision, a personal vision, or as I invite our academy members to do, is to do a little bit of both. Be thinking about the future two to three years out. That free audio course is a wonderful starting point for that. Next week, I'm glad to welcome back to the show David Marquet, former U.S. Navy captain. He has a new book coming out, and he's going to be teaching us how to ask better questions. Don't miss it. Have a fabulous week, and I'll see you next Monday. Take care.